We finished some of our Christmas decorating yesterday. Well, I should say Laurie finished some of our Christmas decorating yesterday. We put out a large number of the nativity sets that we have collected or been given over the years. And all of them have a story behind them, a special story. There's a little Eskimo nativity set that we purchased when we were in Alaska. And there's a Peruvian Indian nativity set, one made entirely of olive wood that we had the opportunity to bring back from the Holy Land. And I cannot look upon these nativity sets without thinking of the stories behind each and every one, and then focusing on the main character, that, that little person in the middle, in the manger, thinking that all that I am, all that I am called to do, all that I try to accomplish is wrapped up in those swaddling cloths and laying in a feeding trough. Reminds me of the story of the parents who placed out a nativity set every year and enjoyed watching their children touch the characters and move the characters and place the characters all over, sometimes the characters totally disappearing from the nativity set, only to be found in a distant part of the home. This went on each and every year, and one year, baby Jesus disappeared from the nativity set couple of days before Christmas. The mother didn't think anything of it. She thought, well, baby Jesus will show up. But one day went by, and two days went by, and she was starting to get concerned that maybe baby Jesus had left town. So she called her children, her six-year-old daughter and her three-year-old son, into the living room, pointed to the nativity scene and said, where is Jesus? And the little six-year-old, of course, crunched up her shoulders, you know, hands out, lick, palms like this, as to say, I don't know. I didn't do it. But the little three-year-old boy became suddenly animated and started talking. He talked a mile a minute, and as is the case for most three-year-olds, some of it starts to become gibberish. You're not really sure what they're saying. And finally, he took his mother's hand and led her to his bedroom and pointed to his bed. And so she went to his bed and pulled down the covers, but there was absolutely nothing there except the sheets. And the little boy, no, 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 pointed to the pillow. And she lifts the pillow, and sure enough, there's little baby Jesus in the manger. Kind of special, don't you think? For so many children, bedtime can be a scary time. It's, it's dark in those bedrooms and those open closets and whatever it is that lives under our beds. And this little boy found safety and security in knowing that little baby Jesus was with him right under his pillow, that Jesus was right there. That's the promise of Christmas, isn't it? Embracing the gift of baby Jesus and knowing that he is with us always. When you look at the world today, what do you see? Honestly, what do you see? Many of us see things that are rather disturbing or threatening or chaotic in nature. 
Now, there, that's not the only thing that's out there, but that's usually the first thing that we see when we watch the television or read the newspapers or surf the internet. It's always the terrible news first. Reports of oppression and violence in other countries, international tensions between governments. We hear about terrorism and the threat of terrorism. And each of us is reminded that the threat of nuclear destruction has not entirely disappeared from the world. We read reports about economic instability around the world, and we wonder whether our level of prosperity will stay the same. We become antsy if we watch the Dow Jones and the stock market. And then if we try to sell a house, sometimes we realize it's not quite as easy as the realtor made it out to be. We hear about corruption and abuse, abuse of power in business or in government, and it makes us to lose confidence in those structures of our community, of our country, that we are supposed to have trusted. And around us, All around us, we see the evidence of erosion of moral standards that threaten our very value systems, the things that we were raised with, the things that we believe in, we see for some reason slowly but surely eroding away. Some of us can look closer at home, into our own community or our neighborhoods, and we are terrified to think that there perhaps is another senseless act of violence that will take innocent lives in a school or at a concert or even in a church. Many of us experience conflict with our own families. There are anxieties with our children or with our parents or with our spouses. There are anxieties about whether we can keep our job, whether we're going to make enough money, whether we're going to be able to pay all these bills. And then we look inside ourselves, perhaps out of the mirror, and we wonder about our health, about our station in life. Have we truly done everything that we could do? Or will we ever find someone that we can say we really love or that we really trust that they might be a part of our lives. The world is filled with anxieties, and life can often become a very bumpy road upon which to journey. Sometimes we would just like to run and hide. Maybe you wouldn't, but I would sometimes. And I wonder if it wasn't so different 2,000 years ago. Wasn't it quite the same in many respects? There were religious and ethnic groups that were at each other, The difference between the rich and the poor was incredible. Poverty was widespread, and it was a struggle just to survive day to day. And the country was under the oppression of an anxious tyrant, a chaotic tyrant, who had even had members of his own family killed because he believed they threatened his throne. And it is into those surroundings that we find this young carpenter engaged to a young woman. And he was looking forward to all the things that young, engaged couples look forward to. 
that even in the midst of all the trouble and the anxiety in the world, what did they have? They had each other. And that, in the end, would make all the difference. And suddenly he finds out that his fiancée is pregnant. And he knows it's not his child. Certainly he must feel deserted and betrayed. And he knows, according to Jewish law, that he can have this woman taken out and stoned. Deuteronomy 22. But Joseph is a just man, and he's a loving man. And he agonizes over how to handle this very difficult situation and all the whispers and gossip that surrounds it. Perhaps he just needs to terminate the engagement quietly and then get on with his life. And then he has a dream. And an angel of the Lord comes to him in the dream and says, don't be afraid. Told you last week, that's part of angel training 101. First thing they say, don't be afraid. We don't start off with, thus saith the Lord. We say, don't be afraid. And the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and take Mary as your wife because the Holy Spirit is bringing a new life into this world and this child is God. It is God's will that she bear his son. And you shall call him Jesus for he will save the people of their sins. Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, and if you go back to the Hebrew, it means Yahweh saves. Jesus saves. This is God taking our sins from us and the effects of our sins. These are the effects of people who hurt you and you hurt other people, or people who have rejected you and the people that you've rejected, or people who have used you or the people that you have used, all those effects of those types of hurts, God through Jesus Christ is taking those away. God saves us from the things that we have done, and he saves us from the things that we simply cannot undo. All of the regrets that we build up in our lives that seem to hold us hostage, God has brought Christ into the world to save us. He offers us release Release from the guilt of our sins. And in this birth, this birth that no one physically or psychologically can explain, God saves us. Now, when you stop to think about it, really give it some thought. You can't help but be inspired by the faith of this man called Joseph. In fact, I think we pay too little attention to Joseph. I think we use him as a second-role, third-role character. He's kind of like best supporting supporting actor. We put him in a corner. Is he really necessary? I mean, after all, the Holy Spirit's the one who came down and made Mary pregnant. What's he going to do? And yet his faith, his sensitivity, his kindness, his compassion, his obedience to the will of God has a far greater impact on our Christian thought and our Christian lifestyle than we could ever possibly imagine. He believed that God was going to do some saving work in this world, and he was going to have a role to play in it. 
He had no idea what was going to be required of him, but he was going to do whatever was required, whatever was necessary to participate in the saving work of God. Just like Mary said yes, Joseph says yes. How did Joseph do that? How did he have the poise, the resolution, the confidence to say yes when his fiancée is pregnant and he didn't do it? Would you? Gentlemen, would you? How did Joseph do it? I think the answer is there in Matthew. The greatest promise of the Bible. Right there in the first chapter, it's the promise that I want you to embrace this Christmas. It's the promise that I want you to hold on to. Emmanuel, God with us. Whatever, chose, whatever troubles Mary and Joseph were going to have, whatever anxiety this birth and this pregnancy was going to have in their lives, God was acting through them for the salvation of his creation. God is working through Mary and Joseph because they have been obedient and they have said yes. And beyond any ability to explain it, beyond our explanations, our logic and our analysis, God in human flesh is coming amongst us. Matthew quotes Isaiah, the prophet. And it seems somewhat out of place as though he just plucked it out of the prophet's book And he says, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It almost doesn't fit there. And yet Matthew Matthew uses us so that we can see exactly who Jesus is. The proclamation that Jesus is God, that he's got God with skin on, he's going to walk among us. We may struggle to think about that. We may struggle to express that in words, especially to those who do not believe. But it is the affirmation. It is the very heart of our faith. Jesus is God with us. He is God for us. And he is truly the promise of Christmas. What does it mean to you when I say God is with you or God is with us? What does it mean to you? I think we grow far too accustomed to think as God being some far-off place someplace. Like, you know, past the stars, past the universe. He's not around. He just shows up every once in a while. I think we really struggle to understand that God is present in the here and the now, even as we sit, even as we speak. Sometimes we think God is absent from the most important things in our lives, that somehow he's taking a holiday or vacation when things are happening to us. But I ask you this morning, what is it to believe that we live in a God-invaded world, that God is really here, that God is present among us, that God is working every day in our lives and in the life of this world? Now, it would be a mistake to think that God makes everything happen that he has decided to cause each and every event. After all, he did give us free will. He created this amazing creation. And then he took his finest creation, you and you and you, and said, I want you to run it. I want you to oversee it. I want you close to your heart. 
And sometimes in the midst of our free will, we do dumb things. Very, very dumb things. Sometimes the disturbing, threatening, chaotic events of this world are of our own making. And we have no one else to blame but ourselves. But that doesn't mean that God is not at work in his world. That doesn't mean that God isn't still pulling the forces of his creation and driving them toward the fulfillment of his divine plan. God is still here. God is still working. God is still with us. When we look at our lives in the world, usually we see the trouble first. Usually we see the bad things worse. Those those are the things that we impact us before anything else. We fail to see the promising things in this world. And that's what I want you to do this Christmas when I say embrace the promise. Stop looking at the bad and start looking for the good. You know where you can find that? Go down to the children's wing. Go visit the kids. Watch the gleam in their eyes and the smiles on their faces and think about the awesome responsibility that all of us have to bring them up to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Think about the love that exists between husbands and wives. Think about the forgiveness that we receive for dumb things and ugly things that we do to each other. And that's God's touch in our lives. That's God still with us. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by the problems of our lives. They blot out everything else. We don't think of anything else. And we don't take that second time to really see God working in this world. His touch. I can't hold my grandchildren without thinking about God with us. I can't love my wife without thinking about God with us. I can't stand before you as your pastor trying to lead as I have been called to lead without thinking God with us. I can't do it. Matthew doesn't leave Joseph stuck in a dream. He doesn't leave us stuck in a dream. He brings it out with that one word, Emmanuel. And if this Jesus is to do any good in our lives, if this Jesus is truly Emmanuel, then he's got to meet us not only in the good times, but in the bad times and in the ugly times. When the crushing weight of the world comes down upon us, You know, if he's only a Jesus that saves, then we can simply nail him to the cross and say, it's done, it's finished, check mark, it's over. He's done that. That's complete, but that's not all that he does, not in that word of Emmanuel. God with us, that doesn't mean God was with us, that means God is with us. God is with us on Monday mornings when we don't want to go to work. God is with us when we take an exam at school that we don't study for. God is with us when we go to the doctor's office and await a prognosis that we know is not going to be good. God is with us when we go to the lawyer's office for some legal development in our life. God is with us when we go to the funeral home because we've lost somebody unexpected. God is with us. Emmanuel, 
God with us is in the cancer clinic when the tests come back positive. Emmanuel, God is with us when we get the pink slip from the company that we've worked 22 years for. Emmanuel, God is with us when the oldest child in the family says, I hate you, and slams the door and walks out. Emmanuel, God is with us at the Alzheimer's ward when a husband or wife stares blankly into our face and says, who are you again? Emmanuel, God is with us at hospice when we know the one that we are visiting has only hours to live. Emmanuel, God is with us when our eyes are bright and our smiles are cheerful. And he's with us when we can't see anything because the tears flood out of our eyes. That is what Christmas is about, my brothers and sisters. And that is what Jesus is about. Emmanuel, God with us. And the impact of that promise is incredible. If you will be obedient and trust in that, you will find that there is so much that can be done if you truly believe that God is with us. If you embrace the promise, it will absolutely change your life. It can't do anything but change your life. Because Jesus transforms you from the inside out. That's what happened to Joseph on that first Christmas. That's why Joseph was able to do what Joseph did. And it can happen to you right here, right now. This Advent season, it can strengthen you. And that amazing promise can empower you to do amazing things. It can enable you to arise to any occasion. If you truly trust in the fact that God, God is with you, and you, and you, and you. That's the great truth of Christmas. That's the message of Christmas. That indeed is the joy of Christmas. And that is the promise that I want you to embrace, Emmanuel, God with us. No matter how dirty or broken you are, God is with us. No matter how divided or hostile this world appears, God is with us. No matter how pained or lost or sick you are, God is is with us. And even when we're angry and upset, so angry and upset that we take the Lord's name in vain because we're tired of this religious stuff and we believe that God is just some type of myth, some type of, of, of fairy tale, God is with us. And even when we can't look Jesus in the face, because we struggle to believe that he really exists, Jesus continues to look at us. He can't help it. That's who he is. That's what the promise is. God with us. Emmanuel. you bow your heads with me, please?